episode of Dr. Kino's Film Emporium and for this week we have a very special guest and I think she's just outside the shop now oh yep ah hello it's Dr. Ellen Wright how are you Ellen? Hello hello I'm very well thank you very much good welcome to the Emporium it's a bit dusty so we'll, we'll clear your seat off so you can have a sit down and have a chat there you go right lovely so, Ellen, um, first of all, thank you very much for coming by the Emporium. So, you're, you thank are... Thank you for inviting a, me. <laughs> you're most welcome, most welcome indeed. So, this week, um, you've got a film for us. Uh, tell us about that. We'll go into more detail later, but first of all, tell us about uh, the film you've chosen. Okay, so the film I've chosen is... Um, it's an interesting choice. It not might not be everybody's choice, Um might not be everybody's cup of tea. That's quite it's right. A <laughs> <laughs> it's a 1955 film, okay. and it's a film called Te- it's called Teaserama. Um, wow, I love it already. Uh, Go on. Yeah, um, it's a low budget sexploitation film. Okay. Um, and it's made up of a number of sort of little short performances by a number of um, famous pinup. Uh, models and burlesque stars of the 1950s uh, and probably its most famous star in uh, in the film is the the very popular pin-up model Betty Page ah, famous for her right. black hair and bangs indeed yes. indeed not I, was, I thought you were actually going to say Betty Grable but there I stand oh no no, 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 no. Okay. no <laughs> Betty okay. Page Betty Page the one and only <laughs> Betty Page so yes. before we get into more detail about um what was it called? Something Rama? Teaserama. Teaserama. Thank you. I knew it was something slightly <laughs> rude. Yeah. So um, it's, a first, it's a question I like to ask um, visitors to the Emporium. Um, but what was the very first film you remember seeing ever at the cinema? And this is kind of important because TV doesn't really count. So what, 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 right. what, what was that sort of special moment when you actually got into a cinema like, wow, and then saw a film? What was the film? Do you remember? Okay, so the first film I remember at the cinema was actually Jungle Book. It was um, you know, one of the endless re-releases of Jungle Book when they kept sort of you know putting them back into the cinemas over and over again. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You know, a long time before uh, you know we've got the, this uh, dedicated Disney Channel now. Mm. I went with my grandma um, whilst my mum was off doing some of the bits and pieces, and I remember she took me to a town centre cinema um and it was quite a rundown cinema and that really made an impression on me as well i'd remember the um the red velvet seats that were actually really scuffed and grubby i remember it smelt very strongly of cigarettes mm. um and i remember actually being quite scared because it was quite a dark space i'd never been mm. to somewhere like this before i didn't know what i was going to see or do and then of course you know when the the film came on it was very loud mm-hmm. um but i remember really really enjoying it um and the next time I went to the cinema um I went with my mum and after that we went to um we went to multiplexes you know it was the age of the multiplex I'm an sure. 80s kid me yeah, yeah. um so I, I I you know I I didn't get to set foot again in a, a sort of town centre cinema um really until I did my my degree in mm-hmm. at Derby and mm-hmm. uh, and I I 
um, had my film screenings in the Metro Cinema in Derby, and it was it was kind of like coming home, really, going back into another town centre cinema. It felt very safe and very comforting actually yeah. after um, you know being in these uh, multiplex spaces, which are obviously very different. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I mean there's obviously the smell of cigarettes and things because uh, for young, younger listeners, uh, you could actually smoke in cinemas back in the day, <laughs> and uh, many people did. So yeah, there was that kind of whiff of like slightly, oh, this is a bit naughty, or like this is yeah. an interesting space. But yeah, I mean, cinemas for me are a little bit. They're a little bit. Um, if you forgive the metaphor, a little bit womb-like in that you're in this dark, yeah. warm environment. You know, you see this thing, and you're you're just captured in this other space altogether. Yes, yeah. I think I think we remember cinema uh, much more than we remember our first sort of stage performance of things. There's something about mm. the the light strobing onto your eyeballs at twenty four point nine hertz, or whatever. There is something that <laughs> takes place there. I think so. We could. So um, obviously, this yeah. this sort of ignited a passion for the screen. And you, you <laughs> mentioned you mentioned Derby, the University University of Derby. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what what degree what degree did you do there? Um, I did a, I did um, film and television studies, and to be honest, I did film and television studies because um, uh, that was what I could get onto that was media related. I didn't actually mm-hmm. do incredibly well at college because I had some bits and pieces going on at home, mm-hmm. but I decided I wanted to go to university. My mum very much wanted me to go to university, so we looked what was available through clearing, mm-hmm. and that was what was available through clearing, and it was the best decision I ever made in in, in my life. I think really, mm-hmm. um, I thought you know the, from the first lecture I knew that film studies was absolutely the right choice. I'd always liked film anyway I used to sit and watch films with my mum at home on the television as well as going to the cinema with my grandma and what have you um and yeah like you say there was a passion I realized that this was something I wanted to do and very quickly realized as well I've known I wanted to be a teacher probably all my life but then I realized mm-hmm. oh it's not a teacher I want to be it's a lecturer I want uh, to be right I yes want to teach this. <laughs> one stage up sort of possibly <laughs> like, perhaps that actually, yeah. sorry i think i'll uh, i better i better row back on that one. Um, I, had, I had some i had some really good teachers at school and this is yeah you know, but yeah it's you want to go take it up a up a notch i think yeah yes no yes mm. more specialized yeah yeah because you've, you've got to get you've got to get to a little bit niche so um yeah. any standout lecturers at derby for you because I, I have one myself when i was at de montford which is where you're working now but i had a guy right. like I had a guy called Michael Shaughnessy who uh, he he programmed the first year film courses and uh, sort of that ignited a lifelong. I mean, I was pretty keen yeah. on film anyway, but that just exposed me to so so many amazing films I'd never heard of or seen, and it's like this is amazing. <laughs> and he also his other claim, his other uh, gift to us was that he used to come in in a purple dress every now and then whenever the mood oh, took him. Which good was, on him. Yes, good on him. So this was back in the early nineties as well, which it really what called you know was a little bit out there for a lot of people. But there we go. <laughs> Yeah, he, used to, he used to come to, and he, this is um, this is a tall, thin, balding man as well. So it was like, right, right, okay, Mike, exploring your feminine side—that's great. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, good on was, him. Uh, good on him. Quite, quite the character. But um, yeah, he, uh, he he was a he was a fantastic film lecturer. He his passion lit up the screen, yeah. so to speak. So yeah, any, anyone yeah. that uh, you remember from your days then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a number of fantastic lectures. Actually, I guess for me the lecturer was Tracy Dunlop, mm-hmm. um, and she was um, she was just superb. Um, she threw my um, my dissertation. 
um, and she introduced me to Freudian theory. She introduced me mm-hmm. to um, studying women's films and the melodrama. And she was really sort of uh, really formative, you know, mm-hmm. in in my development as mm-hmm. as a scholar. And whilst I have some issues with um, Freudian theory, and you know, sort of mm-hmm. around the fact that you know there's uh, there is a misogyni- misogynistic element um, there, I would say personally, mm, um, I I. Yeah, um, I that, just because I'm not keen on it doesn't mean I haven't studied it, you know, backwards, forwards, inside and out, you know, mm. and so I feel I've got, you know, and it's, be- it's because of Tracy that I have that knowledge and that understanding because I really wanted to take it apart mm-hmm. and understand how and why it, it worked. Mm. And uh, yeah, she just really supported me. Um, I said I wanted to be a university lecturer. She said, well, um, you do know you're going to get a first, you know, unless you do something terribly wrong in your dissertation, you're clearly going to get a first. Do you think maybe you should go and do an MA? And I said, well, if that's what I've got to do to, you know, to be a university lecturer. And she said, right, well, I'm going to put you in touch with this person here at UEA and I think you should go and see them. And sure enough, a few weeks later, I was talking to Charles Barr at UEA and mm-hmm. uh, and we went from there, you know, MA onto the PhD and away we went. So, Good old so, Tracy. Yeah, so basically having that academic mentor, I think, is really important, isn't it? There's that yeah. someone to look out for you and also, say, guide you when you need to. Mm, excellent. Mm. What was it's Tracy's... Really, it's really, really important. Very much so. Um, are you getting the chance to do that to to other female undergrads and postgrads? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. I feel it's um, it's something we have to do. The, the, mm. the, the, it's, it, the, the, the discipline is becoming... Um, um, it's just harder and harder to get into and harder mm. and harder if you want to be a university lecturer and the, you know the demands are so so much more now even than when I um, started out which is very you know very short time ago actually mm. so I feel it's, it's our responsibility those of us who've been lucky enough to find ourselves a post you really need to offer a, a leg up to the to the you know the next group who are coming along mm-hmm. and particularly you know sort of as a woman um i'm very interested in i do an awful lot of work around sexuality gender but also around race so uh, again you know students who are from different ethnic backgrounds i'm really keen on supporting students who are you know who are um interested in writing about you know sort of gender sexuality you know various different sort of people who are often underrepresented within academia mm. I, you know I sort of try and make sure I make time especially for those groups of people mm. um, you know because we need to level the playing groups. field a bit yeah subaltern yeah, groups so absolutely yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah okay good so in linked in with this is obviously your research interests as well around the female gaze or the male gaze and how that yeah. yes you mentioned that you have a podcast <laughs> as well so tell us about the podcast oh crikey um so my podcast <laughs> been running for a couple, yeah. <laughs> um it's running a couple of years now it's mm-hmm. it's called here's looking at you um because you know that obsession with the the male gaze and the female gaze and who's looking in the power uh, dynamic there so nothing to do with um, Humphrey Bogart it, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm quite interested in Humphrey Bogart I quite like Casablanca it's one of my favorite films but yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah you know it's, it's about essentially the intersection of um gender sexuality and performance and the way that that's sort of um portrayed and understood in film television and theater basically mm-hmm. is uh, the you know the topic and I talked to various performers um academics um various other experts as well and yeah we just have a have a yarn about um 
representation basically because mm, that really yeah. floats my boat yeah that age-old uh, sort of uh, screen studies chestnut how do you yes, present something? yeah yeah really interesting <laughs> as well especially these days so good okay um so tell us more about teaserama ellen so when, okay. when was this when was this made and who who made it um so it's an it's 1955 i do believe and it's made by a um a pair of filmmakers uh, irving claw and paula claw ah, and now, they are if, if i could just interrupt are these the mm. as i say these are the claws um you can have whatever fun you like with puns there <laughs> um, were they they were in the notorious Betty Page film, weren't they, by Mary Harron? Yes. Yes. And yeah, they were is yeah. it Lily Tomlin? No, not Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Lily, what's her name? And um, Jared oh, um, Jared Harris, I think. Oh no, he was uh, yeah. John John Will um, John Willie. If I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, there. Sorry. Oh yes, yeah. Who, who writes the bizarre? Writes That's bizarre. It, yes, yes yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Sweet Gwendolyn and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and that's this world that this belongs to, really. So they're ah. a brother and sister team, mm -hmm. and they started out. Um, they had a little shop, and they initially sold. Um, like a portraiture of film stars for film fans mm -hmm. um, they would mail that out and that was really really popular and then they began to branch out when gentlemen started to come into the shop and say well actually we'd like something a little bit more fruity than some photographs any under know, the counter star stuff photographs. absolutely so ah. we started to produce this stuff and he worked with betty page an awful lot and then mm -hmm. slowly but surely from the photographs they then thought well you know if people want photographs maybe we could sell them you know sort of short film reels as well and people mm -hmm. can watch those film reels at home which mm -hmm. is exactly what they did and that's what um teaserama is it's this short film that sort of mimics um the style of a burlesque show so lots of discrete segments of uh, you know sort of individual acts little dances and what have you interspersed with a bit of humor um some striptease in there but nothing too shocking or too fruity there's no nudity for example Indeed, um yeah. because he couldn't have legally got away with it mm -hmm. um yeah and i just find it a really fascinating film it's a really sort of um it looks very gaudy its colors are very gaudy its music is awful um the performances <laughs> are absolutely awful as well um it's but it's really kitsch and camp mm -hmm. uh, and then indeed there was a bit of a sort of a, a cult following for this film at one stage along with this cult follow, following very much for betty page as well mm -hmm. uh, and i can see why people like it it's it's really it's really um it's a really interesting time capsule in all sorts of ways mm -hmm. because it's so naive even though it thinks it's being really sexy and it's being as sexy as it can be mm -hmm. you know if, if um, the post office had intercepted this in America, uh, Claw would have been done for, you know, if it had been too racy. So he had to just keep it the right side of respectability, which is what he does. And I just think that's fascinating because um, mm. it's just not sexy at all. Not sexy in the slightest. It so it's got, it's, there's like a kind of, it sounds like there's a kind of innocence about it that's um, yeah. that's quite appealing in its own weird kind of. Do you think it's, a, um, would John Waters be influenced by this kind of thing? Uh -huh. Would he be aware I of this or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I suspect there is absolutely an element of that. Um, yeah. I mean, Paige's um, 
cult appeal has been actually really quite significant over the years. And I think, you know, she's had a really big impact on um, sort of alt culture. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. I can see that uh, John Waters certainly would be inspired by this sort of a thing and by the claws, uh, by the, um, to be honest, the showmanship of the claws, the fact that they, you know, they were, they would make money by hook or by crook and, you know, were quite innovative in all sorts of ways. Um yeah, yeah, I think, you know, probably Waters would really respect that. Mm -hmm. Good. Because um, for people that don't know, Betty Page, how would you describe her? She's basically, she's kind of been seen <laughs> as, a, as a fetish model, and she was an early mm. fetish model, wasn't she, with the yeah. aforementioned John Willie and... Um, and yeah. this uh, bizarre magazine, which um, definitely would have fallen foul, I think, of um, uh, is it, <laughs> oh is gosh, it, yes, uh, the Com <laughs> Anthony Comstock and the post office yeah. in America. There's, yeah, uh, there's a lot of censorship in the states when they're at this time, and so yeah. there was. I mean, we're talking post-war, aren't we? With uh, with with bizarre and yeah, and things around that. Yeah. So yeah, and it's very much of that period. You know, it's very you know, sort of there's something here around. Um, I don't know, it's sort of it seems all very exciting and very new and, and what have you and sort of uh, quite vibrant in all sorts of ways um you know the kind of stuff that um that she that pages in uh pho like photograph wise um like her pin-up photography then you have mm. this darker side this fetish photography that she did under the counter as well mm. but she was in things like playboy and all sorts you know she mm -hmm. was she was the big pin-up model in the world you know mm. she was really really famous very distinctive looking white mm -hmm. emphatically white very slim perfectly proportioned um dark eyes and and this mane of of jet black hair with the very very sort of blunt uh, bangs or fringe as we call it here in, in England, you know, very distinctive haircut and, and this real sort of um, very 1950s look to her that even now um, in various subcultures women seek to um, seek to copy because it's so distinctive. I mean, Dita Von Tees springs to mind mm, um, when she yeah. was sort of in, when she was married to Marilyn Manson, she looked very much like Betty Page, yeah. I think there was that uh, very strong yeah, for that look yeah interesting yeah. so how how long is the film it's not that long or no no and you wouldn't want feature. it to be <laughs> yeah you, you, you really wouldn't want it to be because it, it does outstay it's welcome in all sorts of ways okay uh, i think it i think it's about an hour though so okay. it's long enough you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> but you know don't expect a narrative don't expect um any complex character development or anything like that it really is just a group of attractive white women um prancing about in front of a, a, a static camera i think mm. at one stage as well um we have a performer who it turns out is um what i think they would refer to the performer as a female impersonator um uh at the time so you've got this interesting strip tease being done and you think you know initially oh it's a woman and then there's the surprise that actually it's a man i'm trying to remember exactly how they make that apparent um but uh yeah you know it's so there was some ever so slightly it's not always in fact it's not actually progressive because in all sorts of ways it's like the the thrill and the excitement of the oh isn't this naughty it's a man dressed as a woman so i wouldn't even say it's progressive um it's possibly a little bit troubling and exploitative quite frankly mm. um contextual and exploitative of the women yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah because i mean at this time there were these stag films weren't they there was yeah. they were being shown a lot there was and these, yeah. these go back to quite some way so i mean yeah. porn really didn't get going properly till probably the 70s i mean the whole with no. um, 
Yeah, it was uh, it's the there's um ah oh, what the thing with James Franco in it? He plays twin brothers. Um, it's the TV show. The, oh, um, um, then it's not the Nick. It's something else, isn't it? Um, it's got Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal in it. I can never remember. My yeah, head's gone that, now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the, it's the hint. But yeah, we've got like deep, you know, like deep throats deep and what have you behind yeah. the red, yeah. behind the red door, that sort yeah, of thing, Marilyn, you know. Is it Marilyn Chambers and those. Yeah, that's when yeah. it fell into the gold, the golden age of porn, if you can say yeah. such a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so well, this, that's, this like, that's the, exactly what they do call it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sort of like this, pretend to quite high production values and actually like a, a sort of more than a pretense of narrative, but at the same time. Mm. There was definitely um, yes, the yeah. uh, the important stuff was action, and of course the mafia was involved quite heavily, I think with heavily, the early porn films. So yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the claws were kind of like strictly amateurs in that sense, so they weren't really they yeah, know, professional but they, filmmakers, they were... but they had a go. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what I kind of like about this, and I kind of like as well that um, I I sh- I show some of uh, Paige's films, not Teaserama, mm. um, but some of her um, sixteen millimeter, you know, short fetish films, like films like Teaser Girl in High Heels, that sort of thing. That you know, um, that's a great title. You could, <laughs> <laughs> and it just does what it says on the tin. I mean, you literally, yeah. you know, you get the reel, you put it on you know on your home projector and it would just literally be silent footage of uh, teaser girl in high heels is basically betty page um showing her legs off stroking her stockings an awful lot putting on some scarily high heels and then walking up and down up and down up and down it's the ultimate fetish you know in terms of that sort of um freudian idea of the fetish you know mm. i say to the students when i show them mm before I show them the film, right, I'm going to show you some porn now. And they all get really, really nervous. You know, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I'll say, right, okay, because this was porn at the time. This was as risky as you could get. This is, you know, this is what you would buy if you wanted to get your rocks off. You know, unless you wanted to get some really illegal stuff, you know, this was what you would get. And this is what you would, quite frankly, masturbate to, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and the students just, you know, they, they, they can't, you know, they can't believe it. But it's so boring. Yes, it is, but, you know. <laughs> That's what they had at the time. That's what you've got. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, I find it really interesting. <laughs> okay. So what's their reactions to it? Do they, I mean, do they see, do they get the whole Freudian thing, the fetish, the sort of, the fixation, the male gaze and, and things? Do they, like, ah, yeah, we get where you're coming from now? Or Yeah, slowly but surely, mm. but they, they tend to be exasperated and sort of, you know, confused by it. You know, just think, you know, this is just boring. And it mm. is, it is very, very boring. Um, but, you know, they, they, they see where I'm going, you know, they mm-hmm. see where, what I'm trying to sort of demonstrate to them there. Um, you know, and that's that really interesting thing about, you know, sort of sexuality and pornography as well. You know, the way in which this stuff is mediated and understood and, and how norms change over time as well. You know? mm. I'm just going this riffing off on something, actually, because this, this mm. is, I think, is a really interesting debate. The um, There's been I've noticed a slight um probably looking harking back to the past because um we go back to the uh, mary harron film the notorious betty page which had a i think a fantastic yeah. performance by gretchen mole in it as betty page mm. and you know the great piece of casting and there was you know bunny yeager in there as well you know so yeah. I, I forget which actress played her but there's um and that was a that was a really interesting slice as well because she had quite a tragic life didn't she betty page there was oh yeah it wasn't particularly happy. and that that's referred <laughs> no. to in the film um, but there was more recently, because I think that was about 97, 98, um, mm. could be wrong. Uh, but there's also, is it Professor T and the Wonder Women? 
and that was about the oh my goodness i loved that film yeah which i thought in you know it would be it would definitely be in the emporium i think it it should be in the emporium because i think it was really underrated at the time so for anyone who hasn't seen it we've got um luke evans and we've got rebecca hall and we've got i think it's bella heathcote and it's Mm. um it's a menage a trois and it's about the creator of wonder woman who was who was the man who did the first lie detector but he also had a very unconventional um home life as well i think is probably a diplomatic way of putting it absolutely yeah but i think it's a really interesting film because there's some really interesting female representations in mm. there you know you can see why he you know he he went on again you know obviously there are problematic elements to wonder woman but again he's off his time you know Mm. and actually Mm. wonder woman is really quite complex and quite interesting you know in the context of superheroes Mm-hmm. She's at least there and, and, and being agent and, 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 you know, sort of powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he does a fantastic job, you know, of yeah. uh, sort of pulling something together, clearly based on various characteristics of the two women who he um, who he was in relationships with. Yeah, and it's the, I mean, Rebecca Hall, I thought, I thought played a blinder as his actual mm. wife. And then Bella Heathcote became yeah. his lover. I think she was a student and then became his lover as well and her yeah. lover. So and that that was quite scandalous for like nineteen forties nineteen fifties America. So yeah. yes, there was uh, yeah there's there is this um uh, just with America as a as a nation there is this um um I'm more into post Jungian things. So we talk yeah. about the shadow side of any as there's, there's a shadow there's personal shadows but there's also cultural shadows and I think this America oh, gosh, gets yes. gets really interesting when you start looking at its cultural shadow and. Teaserama yeah. sounds like it might be part of that in terms of you yeah. know there's yeah there's this sort of repressed puritan sexuality that comes out in other Completely. ways and yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah there's i mean it's i think a healthy society can shine the light everywhere it can but the in america particularly there's there's this incredible sort of uh, uh dichotomy of uh, mm. of what's allowed but then what goes on underneath as well mm yeah Completely and utterly, completely. So, um, Ellen, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting talking to you. So the film is Teaserama. It's from 1955. And it's the, it's proudly in the Emporium window for anyone to, to investigate further. <laughs> yes. So is there any... We've plugged your podcast, which I'm uh, very happy to do. Uh, is there anything, any other research that you'd like to to make um, both our listeners aware of <laughs> oh crikey um at the moment well I've, I've just finished two pieces of work one on um fan club public and um, film star fan club magazines mm-hmm. for film stars of uh, british film stars ah, uh, okay. and that is uh, that's available now and um what else have i written oh i've written something on uh, tijuana bibles which again we're back to pornography indeed Yay. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in a in a book uh, called mapping movie magazines uh, and it's a palgrave macmillan book so yeah Excellent. if you're wanting to read to, about some old-fashioned porn then yep. uh, that's tijuana your bag yeah absolutely yeah. i think <laughs> um, they remind. They, I think there's an obscure reference in Watchmen film of all of all places to Tijuana Bibles. Yes. Yeah, there okay. is. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought, am, I making, am I making that up? No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. You're not. No. No. Good. 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 Okay. Right. So, thank you very much. It's been a great having you in the in the Emporium. And uh, yes, Teaser Armour folks, 1955, uh, made by Irving and Paula Claw, and that's Claw with a K, I believe, isn't it? It is. Yeah. K L A W. Ellen Wright, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, take care. Bye-bye.
you have any requests you'd like the Film Emporium to show, uh, get in touch with us at drkinosfilmemporium at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. All the best and have a great time watching your films.